Okay, so you already know. Episode 4, coming live from another disclosed location in Kensington, Pennsylvania. Um, This is a special one. We're double dipping today. Um, I'm excited to start talking to these guys. Our our guest today, you may know them as Post Sandwich Joint. You may know them under the name of Human Robot. You may know them by just going to the brewing company and then getting a sandwich and not even know their names just showing up because a friend brought you there or you requested um we have we have some time restraints so i had i had a vision of how we were going to do this but we all have plans about shit until those plans get a little thrown out of whack in this case they're not thrown out of whack because we already came up with an idea how to fix this so with further ado pancakes and protein shakes podcast episode four Ken of Human Robot and Poe of Poe Sandwich Joint. Thanks for coming on the show, yo. How are you guys doing? I'm ready for pancakes, man. When are they coming <laughs> in? So today I couldn't even bring the pancakes, but do you have any pan- you, where's your breakfast spot? Poe's your whipping up a protein shake as we speak. All right, there we go. We got, a pro- we, got some, we, got some, we got some Human Robot uh, protein shakes going on right now, actually. Fantastic pineapple brew right now. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys, just like I want to talk to everyone, and ask about uh, ask about the origins, your story, your beginning. Uh, we'll start with Human Robot. Ken, I need to know everything about Human Robot, the meaning of the name, um, the inspiration, how you picked this spot. We'll start with, what does Human Robot mean? It means whatever you want it to mean. It's humans and robots coming together. It actually, uh, my partner Jake, it's from a Daft Punk song, and we were talking about opening a brewery in Kensington on another project. He's like, I really want to call it Human Robot. So as we went into this project, we moved forward with that name, although he tried to change it a few times, our other partners tried to change it a few times. Everyone told us we couldn't use it, which just kind of emboldened me. And uh, today we're, we're Human Robot. So since the start, when did we start, when did we start coming here with family and friends? When did you guys have that? When did you have family and friends? January, I think we started kind of popping up for some some movies. If I can go back one second, so as we went along with the human robot name that we weren't allowed to use, everyone told us it was ridiculous. Uh, I'm I'm affiliated with another bar in Fishtown, Memphis Tap Room. So I had lunch with a guy named Rob Todd. Rob Todd is the founder of Algash Brewing. As I were, as we're having lunch, I, I kind of hit him hit him side, and Rob Todd's a funny guy. Kind of looks at you know inquisitively. I was like Rob Todd, Rob Todd. What do you think about the name Human Robot? And he kind of like looked to the side, grabbed his chin, looked off into space, like Kenny, I like it. Yeah. After that, anyone said, "You don't like the name?" I was like, "It's RTA." They're like, "What's RTA?" I was like, "Rob Todd approved." Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and that's all that matters. And you know, this is the first time when I walked in those doors. Uh, I don't know. I guess it was sometime around January when I first met you. When we took that picture, I grabbed the sandwich uh, from Poe. Um, that's the first thing I said: Human Robot. It looks so slick, the way the way the design is, the, the way the design outside on the door is with the H and the R, but like a little pentagram kind of thing. But the way human robot, how it lined up so perfectly, black and white, simple as can be. Um, that wouldn't mean much if your beer sucked. The beer is fantastic. So what I was doing, I was doing some like research before this, actually, like last night, because I was like, does human robot have any different kind of meaning? That's why I started off with having that as the first question. I was looking at it, okay, so the human aspect, if you want to go on about that, versus the, ro- the robot aspect and what that means. Yeah, so I mean, as we got into the project, you know, there, there are two things we love. Uh, Jake and I both love, we have a third partner, Chris Roller. Uh, he falls in this category as well, but at that point, he, 
you know, he was, it was emerging in the picture. But the two things we really love are old school beers, pills and lagers and things that really aren't particularly sexy, and, and hazy IPAs. So we thought we were going to have a place where we are going to make hazy boys and we are going to make pills and lagers. And that was going to be human beers were going to be the old school beers, the pills, the lagers, the stout. You know, you know, other styles that we may delve into as time goes on and the hazy and crazy beers that, you know, the kids want today. Awesome. So we briefed over Memphis Tap, your other spot, which is arguably in the city the best beer selection. At least I'll speak for myself, but a lot of people have told me, which is what brought me there before even knowing you. Um, the beer selection at Memphis Tap is crazy. Top notch, high quality, as well as the food. Um, what inspiration did you pull from Memphis Tap while opening this spot? If you need me to rephrase the question, that may have came off a little wrong. No, but. I mean, I wouldn't say inspiration as much as uh, what I thought would work in... Beer's a really weird spot right now. You know, you have a lot of old school breweries that are going out of business because people are no longer interested in their product. And you have new breweries that are making beers that, you know, we don't think are that good and really don't, don't respect the older brands. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is, again, at Memphis Tap Room, I would see, like, I would love to have a Pilsner, but I drank every new hazy beer that came on, every pastry stout, every other thing, because I was really interested in, in what people's concepts were and, and where beer was going. In this project, we've just decided, you know, we would take beer into new territories, but at the same time, you know, we all love good pills and lager, so we want to kind of have the, the touchstone of, of going back and, you know, sipping on a simple lager. Um. One of the questions I wanted to get at, even before I asked that, I got too excited. My headphones are off, the ports on the computer aren't working, I'm getting all thrown off by everything that's going on. This is an important one. Why beer? Why? What, what started this? What made you say, maybe even if you want to talk about Memphis Tap again, um, what made you say we're going to open up a brewing company? Just your love for the, just the love for the game? If you want it honest, you know, if I want another bar, it's going to cost me $200,000 for the license. A brewery license is like two k, and you can have the, like the four different outlets. Now, I'm getting into like the retirement phase of my life. So this is actually a project where I'm consulting. My daughter is actually the third owner of the business. Uh, she's a brewer in California. Uh, I made the mistake of taking a biochem major to Belgium when she was 19 in pre-med. And she came out the other side, you know, infatuated with sour beer, ended up finishing school, went to school in Belgium, worked at a place called Cantillon, which is, you know, to me, like the best sour beer in the entire world. And, you know, we just kind of evolved to be here. So to involve the guy on your right, how did this collaboration come up with Poe on your right? How did you get, how did you, how did you come up? Continue to be honest, Ken realized that it was crazy to make the fucking food in the restaurant too. And uh, they just said, hey, I don't, that was their pitch. We don't want nothing. And we mean nothing to do with the kitchen. And I said, well, great, I, have, I need a kitchen. So uh, I guess. Well, what's funny is, is it, the conversation goes on previous to when Poe actually even came into the picture. Um, he, he posed absolutely right on the money. I want nothing to fucking do with another <laughs> kitchen ever in my life. Don't want to worry about where the line cooks are coming for. I don't want to hear what the dishwasher's doing. I don't want to do any of that. It's, I love Memphis Tap Room. It's great. It's just a really tough business, and it's a grind every day. Right. So you really have to love that. And I love it in my one spot. I absolutely don't want it in the next spot. That said, so we were talking about who potentially would come in and do this project. We had a couple, like, bimbos come in. And bimbos, you know, male bimbos, just people come in and, like, had these ideas that no way would ever work. 
didn't have interaction. And uh, I brought up to, to Jake, I brought up Poe. I was like, dude, you know, how about this Poe dude? You know, like, I see a spot, have you eaten there? And what's funny is like, we're both stoners for like our entire lives. We have tons of common friends we've never met, yeah. which was just hilarious. And, and I'm having a business across, across, literally across the neighborhood from Poe. And I don't really get out that much during the day or the night to go and see him. But long story short, we reached out to them. It was the same time he was getting screwed by his former partners. Yeah. And uh, you know, Lo and behold, it's a beautiful thing. Here we are. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not too much of a cosmic guy, but I just feel like the reason I didn't meet these dudes to this point in my life is that this is when I was supposed to meet them to do this. And I'm not saying there's not going to be problems, right? Things will be perfect. Obviously, right now you see we're in the middle of a pandemic. But having like partners around that all believe in each other and have great camaraderie and have the same kind of goals, you know, makes like a parallel success project. Like we're always tapping each other, you know, patting each other on the back and cheering each other on and like having a small group of people doing that makes the experience more special and actually makes it a lot easier in times like this to come in and be able to laugh with people you get high with and you know kind of bullshit about your problems and laugh things off and at the same time provide a service to people that they that they love i mean that that's kind of like the dream job to a certain extent you know and to me especially the more that we can cause you hit this on early our beer's fucking great Sorry, it's, no, it is I don't great. need to be immodest i'm not you saying know, this the, because the pills and the lagers are great the ips are great my partner chris you know Robo Wonka is doing these crazy sour beers that are, that are amazing. But that all said, we really wanted to concentrate on making beer and serving the beer to the best capabilities without worrying about the kitchen, what's going on in the kitchen. We were all about the experience with the beer. So it, it was perfect in, in every way. And it was kind of crazy too, because we moved in a few months before and we were just doing our delivery takeout out of the zone. And, you know, we didn't really know what was going to happen. And like, you know, I knew that the beers were going to be good because like just the rep of the people in the room and the kind of weed they smoked, I'm like, these dudes aren't going to like make shitty beer, you know, but for it to be so good. And then for them to be like, yo, this place is going to be so busy. And like, it actually literally, when this place was open for six weeks, it was like insane. Like, you know, it was relentless, but like everyone was like satisfied and everyone was having a good time. It's like, I was like running food. I'd come out and I'd look and there's like a sea of people and I'm like looking for these numbers. I felt like a, diner waitress but it was great it was like just a phenomenon of like you know the one problem i had with them we got them weed cards so <laughs> instead of calling out numbers in the room you could call out strains like northern lights <laughs> and purple haze but it confused everybody so that lasted like all of like 15 minutes yeah no, that was it we, we got the cards they went out like, never worked but, but yeah it was really it's nice to see this neighborhood too is like there's so many projects going on and we started working on uh, having a beer garden across the street with uh, Sunflower Philly next door at that great uh, place over there. So, you know, we still have our eye on the prize and on the future. And I think that what's growing around here is going to be like pretty much the center of North Philly. And we're happy to be, you know, on the ground floor, you know, as serving people in all times as crazy as they are now, you know. Yeah. So I want to I want to loop back to a couple of things that you said. Um, I'm not talking this up just because I know you guys or saying that the beer is good just because I'm here in front of you. You said about com camaraderie and like how comfortable you guys are and how and how good everyone works together and how you guys at Human Robot are able to focus on Human Robot and how Poe is able to focus on the sandwiches. The sandwiches are great. That shines. The beer, that's great. That shines. And, and it goes back to what you were saying about about the atmosphere that it is when you walk in here, when we were able to come in when, when those six weeks happen, how everyone is, is clicking and getting together and just sets up for overall greatness. It's fantastic. Um, the the beer garden across the street something else i wanted to say that is going to be 
insane. Whenever whenever this is over and when you guys get to utilize that, that first of all, it's a beautiful property. You can see it if you go across the street and like down like 50 feet and you look down, it's like a pit. It's like a, yeah, it's fine. a, it's, I don't want to call it like a millennial style thing, but it's something that like, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place for social gatherings. And I, what do you guys plan on? How do you guys plan on well, utilizing? We had planned on having a 420 party. Yeah, we had, we had yeah it didn't work out party. so well. It worked out good internally, but you know, not externally. Right, right. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of things out there. Like, there's room for a stage. I was gonna put out like a grill and do some kind of like sausage and peppers type of thing out there, and they're gonna bring some kegs over. Like, we were gonna just like you know partner up and do as many kind of weekend kind of events because a lot of the parties over there I heard had alienated the neighborhood, and I think that what we've done is like everyone knows they can come right downstairs and get heady beer and like good food, and like I know all the people like live in these buildings now, like you know, and, and it's like being able to kind of get that going i think that we can use that park as like an extension of the neighborhood that we can all kind of hang out in and you can drink and eat outside so of course you know probably have a great october fest would probably be like you know the the, the real kind of expected yeah probably realistically going time wise but uh you know regardless i know that there's gonna be a lot of things happening on the street that are just going to be great so we've had some some concept meetings with their team you know melvin and chris and some other folks over there so we will be doing some draft beer over there but we're also going to do some canned beer over there we're working on a sunflower beer uh that's kind of just for sunflower hill um po exotic anyone's had that you know that was kind of the first play in that we did this pink mexican lager you know and that's what's funny too like what we said about tying back to the thing it's like oh yeah like these are people that i hang out with all the time and we bust each other's balls and stuff and all of a sudden it's like his dumb ass comes up like Poe Exotic one day. Like by the next day, I have like this meme like of me with the jokes. With I think the and jokes. Then by the weekend, fucking everyone's drinking Poe Exotic, and it's like you know that's the kind of high five shit that you don't really have. With I'm not saying this is like a revolutionary fucking restaurant idea. I know that uh, Stockyard and Mike's Barbecue are at Sidecar and stuff uh, right. together in their kitchen there. But like you know, a lot of people. There's not a lot of people that are doing this. It's because it's hard to concentrate on doing one thing two things well and a lot of people have accomplished that like Ken did at Memphis but also doing them separately I think leads to innovation on both fronts you know and, and I think that that's uh, what real partnership should be you know the, right no that. shortage of creativity here no, and no. like you said for, for the flavors I don't know if you want to go through what's on I, I don't want to say it now because we're, it's not technically like open to come sit down but like what's on what would be on tap when this is done with or what is available for, for canning right now uh, canning right now, we have, uh, we have a couple, we have a baby IPA, Twiki Tweaks. Um, we also, we just started a, an Axis series, a single hop series called Axis with uh, Simcoe. It's our first one. What we're drinking right now is a pineapple coconut trips. Trips are an IPA that's blended with a little bit of fruit beers, a la we do some, some fruited sours. You know, my partner, uh, we have a partner, Chris Roller. Uh, Chris, is, Chris is the man when it comes to coming up with crazy stuff. Like, we kind of laugh at him. That's when he tells us what combination he's going to throw at it. Yeah, like and run in with, like, if I'm going to spike this into this, I'm like, all right, roller, like, whatever. Like, three hours later, he comes back, you're like, damn. Then you let it sit one more day, and you're like, damn. Right, you know I hear that. Mean? No, I, I did that with you know, like, you know, and we've done, we've done a couple, like, latte beers, like, robo latte. Actually, matter of fact, we decided today, this is, this is the way this operation works. We're sitting around, like, just bullshit. <laughs> Giving away the secrets. And we have these, we, we're talking about doing these walking beers. So the side of it's in a plastic cup with a lid, and we looked at it, we're like, fucking robo latte. <laughs> so now we're going to have iced beer lattes. They're going to go out the door. We made a few so far. Uh, Chris made one 
it was like a Neapolitan with strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. Uh, so we're working on one with Cafe Roaster like this week. Yeah. I think oh, we're going to no drop way. it probably this this Friday. So they make us a cold brew. We blend it into our Imperial Stout. Chris comes up with some cockamamie other flavors. You know, we'll we're generally make them vegan. You know, so if it's milk in there, it's oat milk. And it's just fun, you know. It's kind of fun to hang out here and have a. I mean, it's crazy fucking shit. I got we got the farmer that comes and picks up our grain. Owns a horse farm in New Jersey. He's a trumper. He's got the big Trump hat on when he comes over. We've got the honey farmer that comes in who like raises bees. Who's like an old granola cruncher. It's like the Howard Whack Pack. Of, like, and, and we all just sit in and here, and, and there's no way it should be that we should coexist in the same room and have the blast that we do. But we do. It's like sucking some bad fucking crazy club that you just love. Yeah, just fucking love. Even in Ethan from Fermentary Forum is over here and growing his beer, and like all of a sudden, it's crazy about this place. It's the same thing with potheads. It, it's like you, Fight Club with weed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't look at people in this business and know like, like who they like who they are. Like I've met this dude Ethan, and I'm like whatever. And he's like, oh, he makes this beer. And then you try that beer, and you're like, wow. So it's kind of like weird. That it's kind of just a creative hub in general. You know, there's like all types of people coming in here all the time that are just like you know yourself included. That you're just like. Well, here's people that you're bouncing off all the time and bullshitting with, and it's like it becomes almost like an artistic space in, a, in an odd way. You know what I mean? Like right, but it's like a creative incubator. How you said it, that would be the way yeah. I would say it. Yeah. And, and, and Ethan makes what I think is the best sour beer by far in the city. I mean, it just makes amazing stuff. And and the funny thing is, we make the wort here, so wort is just the beginning of beer before it ferments. Uh, yesterday was a ferment uh, brew day. So we come over and brew with Andrew, and then they kind of move it out at the end of the day. And then Ethan takes it a few blocks away, puts it in some wooden barrels, inoculates it in some way, blends it all up, and just makes amazing things with it. Damn. And so, speaking of sours, what are the sours here? Because this is the place that made me like sours. Because I never liked sours. I've never liked sours. So what was the most recent sours? So sours is interesting thing. Because if I'm being frank, I usually shit all over kettle sours, which is what we make. Um, And the the reason that, you know, I I shouldn't do it, I've learned kind of since we had this project, is because really the two worlds of sour are, you know, a lacto-sour, something that's soured in the mash tun with some bacteria, yogurt bacteria most likely, you know, a Berliner Weiss that's made kind of sour and the same thing as sour mash, or an inoculated or a barrel-aged sour. The inoculated barrel-aged sours take anywhere from six months to three years and they're then blended together with other fruits and other flavors. The keto sours that we make are, are done in a few weeks and then we blend fruit back in. Um, and the reason I just, I, I guess because the worlds are muddied in that way, and it's a, it's a great question. Um, I used to like not really like the kettle sours because I think people didn't appreciate the work that went into the the forebears of that art. Right. Uh, but since this project, it's fun. And, and the interesting thing that I've learned is uh, I have a friend, same way, we're doing sours here, started drinking sour beer. And now I have him drinking. He's drinking Dre Fontaine and he's drinking Cantillon and he's drinking stuff from Form. And it's just so kind of a. You know, direction, you think? Yeah, I think yeah. just even it just opened the door to something that he hadn't experienced before. And some of the other ones, sometimes they're not as fruity. They have weirder flavor, like the barrel aged sours, if right. you think you haven't like sours in the back. There's a lot going on with them. You know, their flavors, you know, people call like, there's things called like band aid. You know, like you think of all like the little flavors or flavor profiles. There's so many different things that kind of go on in those sours. I think they take a little bit of time, and it depends which ones you get and, and what they're made with. You know, versus like the kettle sours, you know, that we make, um, they're kind of easy to adapt to because I think 
you know, it's got slight sourness to it, but it's flavors you recognize. It's, you know, fruits for the most part you recognize. It's like a bastardization and, of it a little bit though, right? Like, oh, it's an know. absolute bastardization yeah. of it. You know, which is to me why I guess in the, in the past I used to be, you know, I didn't look fondly on it because I thought it was demeaning to the other part of the project. But what was funny is I've taken this on, just like I said, like hazy IPAs to me are no way demeaning to West Coast IPAs or Pilsners. It's just, you know, a further exploration of what you can do. But what's cool about these guys too is I've seen it is like, Ken's kind of like the cadre older guy out of the partnership, right? But the three of them all have their own kind of eccentricities and you can watch them work together and talk things out. And like, I think a great thing that they do is like, like Ken is kind of like admitting that he didn't like that at first and whatever, and then like went to it. Well, like, you know, they kind of have a way of working through it and being able to admit that you're wrong or like, hey dude, you know what? That turned out all right, like let's do it. I think has like allowed everything here to kind of flourish the way it has because, you know, even in the kitchen, there's times that I want to do things and Andrew doesn't want to do them. And then like, you know, if it's wrong, you know, or people like it, you know what I mean? The other one goes, hey, you know, like you're right, dude. And like, you know, that's great. So it's cool that you're keeping an open mind at your age. Yeah, and I, my age. <laughs> you want to give, away, you wanna give me, away your age? Wait, you're 40? 40? Let, let me tell you, Sonny. <laughs> Back when I was born in 1964. Came in with a cane before. I know what to blow his cover. He had a cane on. Dude, 40, 40, I'll take 40. Dude. <laughs> you guys are both 40. But wow. So, okay, I want to keep wrapping this up. He looks back. older than I do, man. I, I probably got 20 years on. <laughs> Except sure. I got no hair. No, oh, yeah, that's right. See, that's why I was trying to get that. I was trying to give you the thumbs up there. But uh, I want to keep wrapping this back to the creativity aspect of this place. You just said it. All different people with all different mindsets in. in all different preferences coming together to form this beer. I don't want to keep talking this up, but this, well, this I mean, is what your fridge needs to be filled with. Human robots, fantastic, absolutely. The, the, I'd be honest with you, the beers are great. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to give give both my other partners credit on, and our brewer Andrew Foss credit on the direction that the beers take it. Um, you know, Jake's work. Jake had another company called The Futurist, was doing some pale ales in the city as a gypsy brewer. Chris has worked at a couple other places. Chris actually came from a banking background, you know, was a beer nerd, dropped out of banking about six months ago. In the middle of this project, when we still had a third partner, I used to go in and talk to him. He was my bank manager. And they were like, dude, you know, when this other guy drops out, you know, you're going to be in. True true story. And then, you know, the one day I go in there, like, ah, too late. I quit the bank. I'm going to to Seabold. Seabold, for those that don't know, is a brewing school in Chicago been around for a long time, grade school, and then he worked at ours in South Philly, and he worked at Imprint up in Hatfield. We were talking about Imprint yesterday, I think, on a po- or two days ago on a podcast. Yeah, so that's, he worked a little bit on the, on the Smoogee series, so he got exposure to some of that stuff, got exposure to hazy beers. And to be honest with you, Andrew is, is one of the best brewers I've ever met in my life, um, but they push Andrew out of his comfort zone, because Andrew's most comfortable in pills, lagers, stouts, old school style of beer. You know, so the partnership here is, is really, and I, and I have to include Andrew in that equation, is, is awesome because we just have ideas and we kind of go with, you know, and, and for the most part, it's those three, though, that are, are really moving the creativity forward. He worked on this equipment before, too, right? Yeah, he, funny story, Andrew, so Andrew worked at St. Benjamin's, was here for a year, and I do not speak poorly of St. Benjamin's. I had some good beers that, that were made here, but a lot of people don't like their stuff, and, you know, I said things about it, and what's amazing is this guy made great beer. He just wasn't really allowed to do, he wasn't allowed to experiment. You know, there was a really regimented sense of what could be done. And this project's just, you know, it was fucking stupid. We're going to do it. You know, have you had like the Decepticons, you know, like our Decepticon glasses or anything like that? One of us has a whim. That's Jake's whim. You know, hey, dude, wait till you see 
Where do you see Urkel with a robo eye? And that's what's crazy. <laughs> that's what's great about owning your own business. Like the other night, I was like so hungry here at like five o'clock, and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna make this fucking gabagool with like the eggs. If you work here, you have all different like of your own little side sandwiches. Like we have the Kenny Metagon. It's just, you have a you have a hidden menu. Essentially. Yeah, but, yeah, but the Kenny Metagon is just uh, it's a burger with marinara sauce, American cheese, cheese dude. Or, Gotta have American orange, cheese. Orange cheese and fucking marinara. And like you know, and it's funny because like everyone here kind of you know does that. Like, but like I was saying the other night, I was having like a gabagool sandwich for dinner, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna like take a picture of this and put it on like the internet. And we like sold a few of them at night. You know what I mean? Right. So like, it's just like it's freedom. The freedom of it, I think, is what leads to all of that. Because once you start people putting people in a box, talented or not, then you know you're not gonna get any kind of. Uh, push out of them and I think that if you're going to achieve anything you have to continue to grow and you know and get better at what you do and I think that you know there's a lot of potential uh, for us together you know doing that right I'm not I'm not a business owner but both of you can attest to that happy people make happy products and yeah, especially well, to wrap it back up mm-hmm. happy creative people make happy products but and also there's a lot of bullshit in this business that like can like pull you down like very easily so I think that um like uh I've learned from my first time being in legitimate business is like a lot of times you have to make decisions and like act a certain way that like aren't like based off of your personality to a certain extent and like learning to make those decisions that are best for your business. It might not be the friendliest thing to do because like, dude, I was a weed dealer and like kind of like just a public type, right? And it's like, I didn't really ever have to fucking like do anything or like say anything to anyone that was, you know, I guess meaningful. So it's just a bit, it's been a big change for me to own a, own a, my own business, and Ken's been you know great with kind of helping me out with you know showing me the ropes with him not necessarily being a fucking Harvard grad either. You know, it kind of he could speak to me the way that I Harvard wasn't one. I'm sorry. <laughs> he speaks to me the way that I can understand it, and I and I've learned a lot over here just about you know tightening my business up because it's it's a legitimate business. It's definitely legitimate. Right, but both and, but both legitimate businesses. You guys are letting you guys have your give and takes, and what and letting you you let him well not let let him as if you're like you know what I mean. You guys are both your own people doing your own things. You're not really conforming, but you're still it's still professional. Well, and, and to build on what Poe said, you know, quite honestly, we've put our own money in my, myself for my daughter and our two partners, and we do whatever we want. We don't we don't answer to anyone. We only answer to ourselves. We answer to, to having the best product we can put out. Uh, I'd be lying if I tell you we haven't dumped a t- couple tanks of beer, but I think it's only been like two, and, and which is kind of crazy for a brand new brewery, you know. And we have stuff like we made a seltzer, God, a few months ago, sitting in this tank right beside us. It's kind of delicious. We don't know what to do with it, so we're not really under any pressure to do anything with it because when we do it, we want to do it right. And that's the great thing about being self-financed without having pressure of a note hanging over your head or anything else. Like we can do whatever we want. Right, your own agenda. As opposed to someone pushing you and pulling you to be proper. They tell you nobody can go in your tap room or we we had to close it. We closed our tap room actually before we were made to close it because we were worried about this whole thing. But we could do that. We made that decision. We didn't have to answer to anyone else. And that was a funny story too because we were fucking packed on like Friday and Saturday. I'll never forget. I came in on Sunday. It was like me and kind of like the corner of the bar. And he's like, I feel like we're being like irresponsible like this. I'm like, but they won't stop coming. And then I guess it was two or three day or, days later, like the middle of the week, we pulled the plug. And like he said, yeah, no, actually, we pulled the plug that day, dude. Yeah, I guess two right, or three days right. later, Wolf pulled the plug. Yes, well, that's how it worked out. Yeah, so we were, were conscious of that, and it's like, you know, uh, the whole thing with this whole pandemic, with the amount of people who are coming here for beer or beer and sandwiches together, like. We know that when we can go back to doing what we want to do, like, can you imagine the amount of beer? I've actually been kind of 
doing the same kind of business to a certain extent. I mean, these guys to a certain extent, like, you know, you imagine how many new things would have been through here over if they could have blew it out in right. a capacity that they were doing it, you know, before, especially with, you know, outdoor options, et cetera. And I mean, uh, you know, I don't envy them being in that position, but also seeing every day how many people come here to pick up these large cans and drink them. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, we're actually selling out of beer. Like, we had a meeting today. We're worried about, you know, beers at the end of the month. We're doing our first canning run at the end of May. So we'll have the first thing in, like, 16-ounce four-packs. Right, so uh, to make that clear that for anyone. Too, that means the canning room. Does that get done here, too? Yeah. Okay. Also, the canning, everything's done Everything's done in shops. So to make that clear, just in case anyone's listening who may not know about it already, we're, already getting, we're only getting 32-ounce crowlers. At the, for the time being, right? And then so you're going to four packs? We'll have four packs at the end of the month. We're going to do a mobile canning run. Uh, we had this grand idea of doing a mobile run and buying their line out after that. And then with everything happened, you know, the people we were going to do that with sold that line out from oh. under us. You know, so now we're just kind of like figuring out what to do, what's the best move, and quite honestly, what's the best equipment to move forward. In the meantime, we've decided to do what's called a mobile canning run. Trucks come in for today with the team. We let they, I'm pointing that nobody can see on radio. By the way, I have a face pill for radio. I'm a beautiful man. Uh, as I point to the tanks over there, they'll, they'll can right off of those tanks. Okay. You know, I think we'll end up with, you know, 75 cases of two different kinds of beer. Really? You know, wow. probably like some kind of pineapple splash play. And then, you know, whatever we think is the best IPA at the time. Wow. That's what great. That, the, the, between the IPAs and the splashes, like being able to... to you know, the six, six or seven IPAs that they put out and the six or seven splashes, like they all kind of, when they're gone, you're like, oh, it's like getting, it's like losing a strain. Like with weed, sometimes that weed will be gone. It's just losing your chance. Like yeah, when I came like, back to the window this past weekend for Poe Exotica, it's just, I didn't, I didn't know the status of it because yeah. I had it before. Yeah. And uh, I had it once before and I was like, oh, by any chance you have like one Poe Exotica left? I figured, no, I saw it all over the internet. You know what I mean? They're like, no, it's sold Talk out. About I was like, like, no. Po- so Poe Exotica grew out of, we had a blueberry lime sour. <laughs> that I threw some in, Andrew and I were together, and we threw some in an IPA that we had, Embryon, and then we threw some in the, in the Czech lager, and I'm like, I really like this. He's like, yeah, I like it too. It had a beautiful pink look to it. So we decided we were gonna do this pink Mexican lager, and we blended up, you know, the blueberry sour, blueberry lime sour beer with the lager beer, you know, but that's a one-off, because neither one of those beers will ever be made before. I mean, it, it could be made again, but it's not exactly the same. Sure. Uh, but we'll, we, we kind of have fun playing with stuff like that. Yeah, so I, would, I wanted to, before you go, I wanted to, you speak highly of your people. Everyone in here is the best at their craft, you know what I mean? Um, what makes your team the best? What makes you say, this is the best brewer, this, this guy is, was the best blah, 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 or is, the be, or is the best creator I've ever seen, or is so creative with the names? What, what, is, what is so special about your team? It's just, what, what made you link up with them, so to speak? Uh, because- Man, quite honestly, I don't think it's anything special about any one of us other than we're honest with ourselves and everybody else about who we are and what we want to do. You're all Voltron. You're a Voltron, too. <laughs> well, and, and quite honestly, no. I mean, there's there's too much bullshit out there. You know, you talk about Memphis, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm accused at Memphis of not supporting this particular beer, this particular local beer that much, just because I don't really like it. I'm going to pour what I think is the best we can pour. You know, hear the same thing. Um, you know, Andrew Foss, we didn't know how great a brewer Andrew was when he came here. What we did know about Andrew is he had worked here. You know, people really liked him. He was a likable guy. He actually installed the brew house behind us really? like okay. five years ago, picked it up in South Carolina, installed it. And we knew he could make great lagers, but we didn't know how amenable he would to be like pivoting on the fly. Right. And 
he's really amenable, and the rest of us, none of us are really, you know, we don't dig in on over anything. You know, we just kind of try and make the best thing we can. And I think people that are open and creative, everybody's creative and everybody learns in different ways. And I think the fact that we respect each other, uh, we, we talk among ourselves, and there's really no pressure to do anything, really lets the team sing. Last question to let you, uh, to let you go. I don't want to hold you too far over time. Someone wants to start a brewing company. They know all about beer, but they don't know how to start. They know how to create the best, the best beer in their eyes. Give them some tips for, for how, to, how to just take that first step, how to begin. It's much cheaper to buy your own beer. <laughs> um, it, it's hard, man. I'll be honest with you. We're in, a, we're in a really good situation here. I had a friend of mine, a friend of a friend bought this building. The brewery was already in the building. It was already set up like this. So we did not spend money on build-out because that's the really hard part. Um, but I would say if you really want, you know, think about it, research it, know your market, know what you're going to make, be prepared to pivot from what you think you're going to need and make, and then pick the right size system. Don't try and make too much beer. You know, there's a couple of local places that have opened in the last few years with huge capacity. I'm hearing rumblings right now that they're not going to make it out of this thing. And, you know, I understand that. We're like smaller places like us. You know, we can pivot. Right. You know, we can kind of change. We can adapt. Right. But, that, I mean, the hardest part is do your research. Know your beer. Know who you're hiring. Don't take on too much debt. I hear. And location, 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 I would say. Because yeah, I guess we got, lucky. So we got lucky with this because it was here. We were coming here no matter what. Right. Okay. But, oh, you know, okay. right. but quite honestly, people need to come. I mean, a lot of people come from the neighborhood. Most of what we sell through that window is from the neighborhood. But that all said, you look around for blocks around, there's plen plenty of space here still. So a lot of people are still coming here from somewhere else. Right. Um, location's important, but in the beer world, if your beer's good, they're coming. They're going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Once wow. they, they figure out about it, they're coming. Beautiful. Well, yeah. if you need to split letting you letting you get your outro if not cool. hang out with us let's do it it's up to you yeah, yeah i've got unfortunately uh there he goes he's at 505 he got bigger things he got a daughter to worry i don't have about bigger, I don't have, bigger things. I don't have better things than i got things <laughs> all right ken yo i appreciate you right, dude. thanks for talking to you all right all right, all right purple dude <laughs> purple dude purple dude did you ever end up getting that uh did no, you, I didn't. I didn't. You never got that gear no. that said that said goat. It was like a shout out to the goat club. But I think I was. Yeah. I think I at, that was the night I had Poe Exotic. So I had Poe Exotic. I had a couple mixed drinks, and I was like, "What is he talking about?" Then I actually clicked the link the next morning. I said, "Oh, this is beautiful. Nice little sweatpants outfit." Which, which, if you were to say you had a signature look, which you're wearing purple right now, it's obviously your brand shirt. But in any publication I've ever seen, it will always like summarize you as wearing something purple. Like I got purple a lot of I got a lot of purple stuff, and so, someone told me the other day, yeah, you purple people are like extra, but like you never know like how many things you're gonna be able to get in purple. No, I hear um, that before it's out, like purple camo. When, when I first started doing stand up, I had like this pair of purple pants that I wore like every every time I performed, and then as I've gotten like a little bit older, and given like absolutely like less of a fuck i've just kind of walked around wear like wearing like obnoxious purple stuff and these guys like when they first came in here i'm wearing purple shit and like the other day i woke up and i had to like run down here and i was in all purple i was like this hoodie on like purple fucking like pants and uh socks are just like whoa but i think it just ties back to how weird of a place this is that they've kind of like accepted me as like 
you know. You're the food spokesperson. Yeah. With fantastic sandwiches. Yeah, but before we get onto the sandwiches, yeah. you just said something very important that yeah. you sent me an article a little bit ago. So I know, so I knew, like I sounded what I was talking, like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? You said something like a second ago. My man, appreciate you. I'm going to snack something on the way out anyway, but this is pretty. Cool. Yes. My man. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. All right. This was a pleasure. This, <laughs> this was a pleasure. I appreciate yeah. you. What do you have to did, say? Did, did, did Poe tell you he's going to start doing yoga in here, man, with the Broga crew? Broga crew. Yep. Let you know about the Broga crew. I'll, I'll get into the Broga crew. Okay, you got to come. Like you got to come to the Broga. Say crew. no more. I would love to. I would we, love to. We, so I, I'm part of the, of the Fishtown group. I'm jumping back in here. After it's like the Colombo. Look, he's trying to pull the mic over. Man. He wants the mic on his side all the time. He's taking the show for himself. He's supposed to share that microphone. But I have, I have a bunch of friends, people that own different uh, bars, restaurants, carpenters, architects, you know, truck drivers, masons, all get together and do yoga in Fishtown. The group's called Broga. Uh, oh, so Jake, this is a Jake real Pan- thing. Oh, it's absolutely a real thing. Jake Panasavage, you can look him up on, on uh, YouTube, does some different stuff. He's worked with the Eagles a little bit, works with, uh, what's that soccer team down there? In, uh, the Union? Yeah. 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 I, I walked in on Broga and I felt like I like walked into my parents having sex. It was just like 15 guys <laughs> doing yoga. Like, <laughs> it's all hot I'm like, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> no, they're not dead. I'm a deadhead. They're not deadheads. <laughs> But when we come back, man, we're gonna. That's going to do our next uh, our next podcast, Brogan podcast. Let's do it. That'd be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. See ya. Peace Bye, out, guys. world. See ya. Appreciate you. Thanks, Eddie. Back with Poe. Hopefully, we get him to come back in. Uh, he's leaving the door right now, but he left before. He might come back in and say something special. But you said something that had my mind blown. Um, well, it was blown the other day when I read an article that you sent, so I wouldn't sound like a dumb fuck. <clears throat> You did comedy. Yeah, I mean, started off doing. We can comedy. start. Let's start. Let's start talking about you about about life when when you were doing comedy stuff. Yeah, like I guess uh, fucking about ten years ago now, I started doing stand up, and then Occupy Philly broke out, and I decided that I thought it would be funny to grab like a flip cam and go down there. I was like a big Hunter S. Thompson fan, so I'm like, let me go and like live here, because I was living in my dad's basement at the time anyway. So I'm like, fuck it. So I just bought a tent and I went down there and then I just started living there and then I found my way into like this journalism like camp of of people and I was making like these weird videos but I was also kind of like reporting like stuttering John like style like from like people doing crazy like activist shit like that I've never seen before and I met some potheads there that were like into like organized reform like normal and stuff like that and uh, I started hanging out with them and then we decided to do a protest at the Liberty Bell based off of a lot of the activism that we saw from these like radical left people that were like running into banks and like chaining themselves like to like chairs. So we kind of like being born out of, sorry. You're good, yo, you don't even need that on there. Being born out of like Occupy Philly, we kind of became like these radical pot activists. So like long story short, we did a bunch of protests uh, on federal land that I was arrested for. And then like when I got arrested, like I went in to federal jail for like three days and then I got out and like all of a sudden like I was on memes and I had like 2,000 like friend requests and like you know like I got out of jail and I was just like people wanted to like write about me and like all this shit so like you know I went through a pretty high profile federal case uh, and I got like off with like a year of probation and then um, out of that we started talking to people at City Hall Jim Kenny who wasn't like the mayor then he was Council just a councilman right? yeah and then uh, we sat down with him through a compact contact we had that we met at Occupy. It was like a political operative in Philly. 
and he was like kind of open to it and then it like kind of just we decriminalized pot in like a small period of time i think it took like eight months and uh and it was like an ounce of pot was like kind of pretty much legal to carry on you and like really no one busted your walls and your smokes so we started building like this kind of crazy pot community in philly um doing events to help people like you know throwing parties uh and then we got a little ambitious because i traveled around the country to like all these pot parties in legal states and i'm like dude this is like amazing like i can do this like at home so we started this thing called philly smoke sessions and uh they were huge parties where like all the vendors were selling like weed and edibles from like places all around the country and i had like reggae bands and giveaways we sent a fucking couple to colorado um off of it and it ended up being uh crazy we threw like probably eight or ten of these parties and at uh, the 10th one we got raided by a SWAT team and me and my girl and my dad and like 25 other people got arrested and then me and my girl were held on like a quarter million dollars bail for 10 12 days and then when we got out I guess I took a deal first to like and I took felonies so that my girl who's like going to go to law school uh, could like get off with misdemeanors and still kind of have uh, a shot at you know her career and like the parties were awesome and people loved them and like we were doing them before medical marijuana so like people were coming to them um, that needed medical marijuana they were getting it from like you know people that were bringing it down i mean like in all the companies would come there like craft companies it wasn't just some dude at the table with like bags like they had like a layout like if you went to a farmer's market like, <laughs> right. you know no, these were like, like high-end products yeah, yeah dude, right. it was like you know the best of the best stuff and uh we had these like vip rooms and stuff i mean it was crazy and like i'm really proud of like how organized and great it was uh it was mostly all my girlfriend but uh you know when i got arrested and all that went down, that was kind of just the end of my scene. And admittedly, I started as a pot activist and I turned into a pot capitalist, but at the end of the day, um, everyone's gotta eat. Right, so with that said, everyone's gotta eat. Um, that wasn't good, what? that wasn't intentional. No. <laughs> so what, what's good about you saying that is, and what's good about having you on here to speak about both the pot activist stuff and the food and the brewery at the same time as people who are new or a new fan of yours may not have known that they don't know what what activity or what 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 i'm trying to say is they don't know how important you were to the pot movement in philadelphia alone and decriminalization and all that and and efforts like that um so i'm happy you told that story i didn't know if you wanted to get into that i hate when i hate like when you read articles they try to portray stuff like that which i'm sure you had to deal with left and right like crazy so many things the worst of all i i I was a press darling in philadelphia for years though i mean like i really never had any issues a lot of good friends in, in the city that liked the work that we were doing and like thought it was funny like when i was doing shit it was kind of like I was trying to be like kind of Abby Hoffman with like kind of like these kind of like jokey kind of like humor was the weapon of what we were doing. So no one really ever saw Poe as like a real abrasive character to a certain extent because it's like, what's this stoner dude trying to like do this stuff? Like it doesn't seem impractical, you know, and like um, whatever. But when we started to move on, you know, after that, I really didn't really know what the hell I was going to do because like I just had a bunch of money that like when they raided my house that they didn't get. And I like needed a project that was going to be 
legitimate because like I could never go back to doing what I was doing. Right. Know? So so when that all happened, when that raid happened, I don't want to keep right. harping on this sounding like it was something bad because we all know, you know, obviously, you are the man in Philadelphia to know. Um, this is harmless uh, medicine going to whoever needs sure. it or whoever wants it. And it does. And if you don't need it per se, like uh, medically, then you have it for mentally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone could use it. But you came home after you came home after whatever time you spent. Right. And then that was a good question. The article I read, I say, oh, you took, they took this, everything's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not everything. I don't want you to blow any secrets. Well, like took everything, like took everything from my house? Took everything like that would, so like you mentioned the money. Yeah. I had my, 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 I had my brother's like a regular citizen. So I had him like, (laughs) I had him dig a bunch of gopher hells in the back of, in the back of his yard. And then when, uh, you know, the time had came, uh, come, I had been like, look, I, you know, I need all that money, you know, and then I just like, well, I need to pivot. And like, you know what you're saying about like people now and then I feel like that I struggle with it because sometimes I want posed to like the food actually speaks for itself to a point that like I can just put my ego aside and be like, well, look, like, you know, if you know, you know, you know, um, but also like as I get older, I find myself being like cr- a combination of cringy and like proud of like the stuff that I did because I firmly believe that if you don't look back on something you did five years ago artistically or in you know any kind of way that you made a mark and not be like oh like I wouldn't you know like yeah like you know what I mean like you know right Right. so like getting through that you know and getting over that is just like okay well like I would never smoke a joint in front of the school district you know again you know but I'm kind of glad that I did because, you know, that's something I did that made this point or, you know, so every once in a while I'll get like a, you know, a Facebook memory or whatever. And you're like, wow, that was a wonderful day. And as I get older and I get further away from it, I tend to like appreciate it a little bit more, even though some of it is cringy. It's like, well, you know, that's what made me who I am. And that's what brought me here and being able to, uh, for that to be a part of things, you know, it's interesting and to be able to wax poetic on it every once in a while. It kind of even conjures up things that I didn't even really realize that I appreciated about the experience, you know, because I'm a dad now. I have a legitimate business now, you know, but like without the antics of a young N.A. Poe, like, I don't know who the hell that would be. So, you know what I mean? A couple things before we run away. N.A. Poe, please tell people um, who you really are and what the inspiration for N.A. Poe, uh, not alias, but N.A. Poe. Uh, title or whatever however yeah well, I'm just an Italian kid from Upper Darby named Richard but uh, I you know I decided that kind of doing some kind of like a Barnum and Bailey kind of name uh, you know and also ripping off Poe a little bit would be an interesting way to kind of just make you like remember it you know to a certain extent so it's, it's a combination of Nikki Six from Motley Crue who I've been told I used to party like and um, and Edgar Allan Poe who kind of had like a darker side to him so I thought that kind of idea of like mixing that together kind of just kind of gave it like a cool kind of like stage name to a certain extent and I right. think also allowed me to like play a character where you know when I first started I was just doing it and I was in it like so hardcore and then like as it like pulled back it's five years into it six years into it like I could go into doing Poe you know right. very and easy that, and, right. and then and then like fall back and like and now it's even like more hilarious because 10 years and being a father and whatever it's like I still love that people come here and give me weed for free, you know what I mean? Right. But at the same time, like I'm not necessarily looking to have my face 
out there like in the same way it's like i used to call the papers to talk about me or talk about my cause now i have like a whole new set of like paper contacts because i'm just calling them to tell them about the restaurant you know and you know fatherhood is a big thing with that because it's kind of like a form of ego death i think if you're doing it correctly and uh you don't really care about myself as much first anymore you know and putting the restaurant forward you know but the way that I market things and the way that I've built, you know, this stuff is all built off of the back of, of all that pot sweat, you know, I guess you would say to a certain extent. But also all the stuff I learned about, you know, I've never spent a dime for advertising as Poe or through this, you know, or whatever. So being able to use social media, like the way that we learn to propagate material as an activist, as, you know, as someone that's selling things, I think that it's, you know, a great technological way to kind of go about your business, you know. Right. So... I'm happy that you just briefed over everything. It's like you're prefacing everything that I want yeah. to talk about. Oh, cool. So you're going, you're, you went through all that you went through, and now you're left with looking for a, a new form of, of motivation or a new, like, a new direction in life to take, maybe, so to speak. Um, the family comes along. The sandwich idea comes along. How? What was, what was the, the creation for post-sandwich joint? Well, a, a, a person I can't necessarily like name anymore because of a, a NDA type of thing, uh, you know, gave me an opportunity to open a place because he had a place that, you know, was near there. And, uh, you know, conceptually, when I started thinking about the menu, I did find a friend of mine that was a chef that helped me like open the place who I'll always be grateful to. And uh, he came up with like the Jeggy Boy and a couple other sandwiches the house made ranch is uh it's this nuts. dude this dude mark uh people dm me you know, ranch. mark was a uh, a chef for like 20 20 some odd years at lowe's hotel and then he came and started it and like every idea that i would come up with he would put on like some super like heady like chef like idea to i'm like yo i want to do like a chicken bacon ranch like um the you know the, the grateful dead parking lot you know kind of sandwich and um, and he's like, yeah, dude, we'll do like a house-made ranch on there. And, it's, you know, it's like it's literally become kind of that thing that kind of is the thing that makes it from a good sandwich to like a great sandwich, right. you know, or like a memorable one. And like, you know, but some of them, like the baby wook, like was just like, dude, I was stoned in the restaurant. And I'm like, dude, if we did pickles and this and this and this and like, you know, made it into a sandwich, I bet that like this would do well. Like, and now like the baby wook has become one here that like people kind of, you know, go crazy about, and it's named after a friend of mine that's a glass blower up in uh, in Maine, and we always just laugh our balls off because I'm like, dude, you know, maybe like you know, like at the here, all the sandwiches are named after like my buddies I grew up with, like fantasy football friends, like my kid brother. You, yeah, what's the inspiration behind the menu? Because they're all different names. For example, mm-hmm. the Hamilton Birdman. If you want to talk about any of those, yeah. Well, the Birdman's my little bro. I, he was like fucking. His name's Jonathan, and we called him Jay, and it turned into Bird, Jay Bird, Birdman, and then it's like boom, it's the Birdman. So. My, my, my uh, fantasy football league is actually like nine dudes and they actually named me Poe. Um, that's how it kind of started. And there's a sandwich named after all of them. And they're all just like blue collar guys that I grew up with. So it's kind of funny like hear their names every day because like we're in like, you know, a text thread together too. I'm like, yeah, I did fucking 40 fucking mushes today, you know, and that's <laughs> like- Mushman, great yeah, sandwich by yeah. the way. And that's my buddy Mush who like, if fucking Mush says I'm gambling money on this like team, just like, either bet the other team or walk away from the bet so like you know we, i, I kind of come from like a nickname culture kind of like anyway you know so it's kind of been interesting to kind of you know give those names to all those and for them to like mean something special to me to a certain extent like jeggy boy like is my friend that and jeggy boy is our vegan tofu sandwich which like let's be honest vegans are kind of like annoying right um so 
you know, it was just like he's like kind of like the most, most annoying. He's like out of my one of my kid brothers, and he's the most annoying out of uh, them. He's like take his ball and go home type of guy. So I'm like, you know what? Fucking, you're getting the, the vegan name. The vegan sandwich is <laughs> getting named after you, and it's like difficult and you know like whatever. And it's like him. So it's like kind of like a it's kind of like a joke, and it's kind of funny to just see you know uh, for me like you know how many of these things that we're selling and like kind of run back to them and laugh at it, laugh about it to a certain extent, which is cool. I keep saying about quality and, and, and importance of the people around you. So everyone on the menu, you're specifically menu is, is, is named after someone that, that you appreciate or someone that you cherish or that means a lot to you. Um, that we need to know about the people who mean the most to you. Tell us about the family. Yeah, what uh, the, about my? I don't know about your personal family. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I fucking just had a young son about, it's about seventeen months now. My most first, adorable. My kid's pretty adorable kid, right? I had my first, uh, my first kid. It's, and having a son as your first kid is is crazy. He's on the on the menu as Luca's meatballs. Uh, my grandmother Lucy, who was the Italian matriarch of our family, um, she died like three years ago. So when me and Rachel were thinking about naming the kid, I was just like, you know, how about Lucy or, or Luca? And it, right away she was like, cool. Um, so it's just, it's funny to, you know, have him on the menu and that kind of, that sandwich kind of be it. I called it Luca's meatballs, but it's like Lucy's meatballs, but now they're Luca's. And right. I think she's just like a, she's probably in him somewhere, like right. some mean Italian lady. No, deep, everyone's you know, in someone like re that. Reincarnated inside of my, uh, in in my young son. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. That's good that you started talking about the menu because we could have went on about that and on and on. And I was like, yo, what does even Birdman mean? Or yeah. Hamilton, until you're like, tag, you're like, yo, this is the actual Birdman. At the end, like, <laughs> well, that's when whatnot. they come by, I try to do it, but it's like the Hamilton is uh, my buddy Tommy. Um, I was short money for like a grill when I wanted to open this place. And he's in this big Grateful Dead cover band called uh, Joe Russo's Almost Dead. Like they play Red Rocks. And uh, I'm like, Tom, I need 1500 for a grill. He's like, you're naming a fucking sandwich after me. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, but I want French fries in it. I'm like, dude, fuck you. Like I'm not putting French fries in a sandwich. And uh, he's like, dude, put French fries in the sandwich or, you know, you're not getting the money. So then like I did. And then, you know, that with the combination of the house made ranch. I was kind of interesting you know i know there's a lot of places like that are sandwich shops that kind of like, like i feel like we nailed kind of all the different kinds of sandwiches that you could do like we have your classic italian sandwiches right which like a lot of places in philly do great right but i also try to like push that idea of kind of having like signature stoner sandwiches like the hamilton and like the baby wook and then like you know to be in philly and to be able to play off the classes like we do a skinny joey um, it's like our version of a roast pork, but you know, we do it with Italian pulled pork, you know, and we do a horseradish mayo and like, it's kind of like anything we do here is kind of an homage because like this shit has all been done like a million times, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, especially you can only with get a chicken cutlet with mozzarella every single place. Like Jesus, like, you know, and, and, and like, you know, I'm never going to be the type of dude to sit here and act like I fucking reinvented the wheel. Like, you know, like I know that a lot of our success at Pose is uh, attributed to the fact that we're on the north side of town where like at the end of the day, dude, like if I go down, you know, into the Angelo's area, you know, and just South Philly in general, I mean, like, I'm not going to say that, you know, Pose would be dime a dozen down there, but I'm saying that like, you know, I think that we're lucky to be in an area where by bringing Sarcones to North Philly and partnering with Human Robot and, you know, doing vegan sandwiches consistently and having you know, pretty much an eclectic menu to give ourselves like some credit, you know, um, I think it's allowed us to put ourselves back, you know, on the map down here. And, you know, at some point I'd like to take it out to the suburbs because I feel like 
that you know you get out to the Havertown Ardmore area you know on the main line like there's not like a real place to grab like a sandwich that's like good like that so I would love to you know take what we do here and kind of you know continue to perfect it and kind of just like get it out of Philly you know I think a lot of people make the mistake of like let me open another fucking place in Philly it's like yeah, but then what? You're busting your balls like across town, or like you know whatever, or like into, like whatever property issue may be, or mix-ups like that. And yeah. we're talking about strongholds and this and that, and people, people like yeah. digging people around, which we don't have to get into. But like yeah. that might make someone move from town to town, or this and that, or whatever, yeah. whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, but the, those people out on the main line, those people on the outskirts, are the people hitting you up being like oh damn i wish i could have this well, okay then come by oh no it's too far right. there's markets out there i keep telling everyone we live in east falls yeah everyone's like you don't live in south philly i don't live in south philly yeah. i live in east falls okay it's five minutes on kelly drive to get in the city but but i could see like even like five minutes from my house paula kenwood yeah that's all the difference of someone like nah i'm not going into the city yeah. all right well if you don't want the great sandwich then you then you're not going to get the great sandwich that's why there is such a market i I'm think it's a lifestyle thing too because it's like you know talking about all the guys that i named on the menu they're, they're all like two or three kids like you know blue collar jobs a lot of union guys that like you know their balls are busted by the time they get to a sunday they don't want to drive all down the city have five beers and like whatever and i feel like that um from a food perspective, foodie perspective, craft beer person perspective, that these people are moving out to the suburbs and they have their kids, but they still have their wants and needs, like as far as, I'm not gonna call food and drink a vice, right? But it's a luxury, you know? And like, I think that more people that are younger that are having kids, like are, are they love food and they love still drinking. Like my parents at 35, they were just parents, you know what I mean? Right. And like now people that age have two kids but like they care about drinking heady craft beer right, and they no, want to eat like great shit but you know they're stuck in like fucking smallville right, you know or across and the bridge or something like, just yeah so where i think it doesn't get delivered to Sorry right to cut you off i'm mean, even too if you look at like i'll go to my brother's house in, in havertown and throw on like the grub hub i'm like dude like it's walk and roll and like primo's hoagies and you're like and you're like dude and then like in havertown i saw this uh place called brick and brew like explode and to be honest like it's like i'm not gonna say it's dime a dozen but it's a dime a dozen like gastro pub like as far as like the city like i can name you 10 gastro pubs that are the same but it's like the only one out there so i think that you know people are going to move their kids out of the city i actually want to raise my kids in the city but you know i think that people love the things that are happening in the city and if you could just bring it out to them instead of making them travel down here that i think that um you know, there might be even a good market for like human robot, you know, tired hands is in Ardmore, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of people Which try works to out perfect. Yeah. Right. It's perfect. It's a, yeah. It's tired hands, you know, being out there has been perfect. And I feel like, you know, I never thought this is what I've been doing, be doing, but I think that poses in a position where the base 16 or 18 sandwiches they're on here could be created like over and over again, like you know and rotated into like a menu cycle for like i wouldn't want to ever franchise it because i want to have like control of like the Hands situation on. and the quality but like two you know nice poses that are like you know in close vicinity but like right. how you said one maybe on a main line something right like that. and yeah. i feel like that you know that you know personally wasn't a dream for me but like i've always been someone that as an adult when i'm doing something i want to do it like the best that i can so you know i've poured my heart and soul into uh, you know, doing this as as best as I can, and and to be honest, you know, the accolades, you know, for me, when people say, "Oh, I love it," or "Oh, we come back all the time," it's like I think about what a great city it is for people that food is like the concentration like of their life. 
you know, and it's not for me, like, I'll be honest, you know, like, I love it, and I have to fucking deal with it every day one way or another, but it's not, like, my passion, like, you know what I mean, like, right. my passion's pot, my passion was being creative, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, videos and digital work and stuff like that, and I hung up all that stuff to, like, one, just live, like, a life where I didn't have to get my balls busted, and second, like, to have a kid, so it, it's great that people like love that because there's people in Philly that that's their fucking life, you know, and we're still being mentioned in like the same, you know, sentences as those people. So like to me that like is an honor because not saying I don't give a shit, but like it's not like it's not my life like that. You right. know what I mean? And that makes me even more proud of it, you know, and I have, you know, Andrew my partner to you know think to tank for a lot of that and also like a lot of people that work at my joint like my little sister's here like four nights a week like she's here like friday saturday sunday which like is like being in afghanistan like you know and <laughs> no, like, i talked to you y'all. Yeah. and uh, you could just come by you see everyone in front this road is, is this road is like is quadruple parked across you yeah, got a maneuver way there's people no. coming in picking up taking out and going yeah my it's glass incredible. blower friends work here so like you know we kind of have like a small community of like the same type of people that i've always kind of believed in and been around and that's been cool because being able to put on your own people and for the place to do great is, I guess, uh, you know, hey, dude, I'm living the American fucking dream in the time of the, of the quarantine, right? I got a great young family. I have a flourishing business. And, like, I just want to be self-aware enough to be um, thankful for that because if you're not, like, then, you know, you're not a good person, you know, because there's that. a lot of shitty stuff going on and, like, you can't take for granted what you have. And... You know, some days, like, dude, I sat in maximum security prison for 15 days with, like, people that were, like, in there for, like, rape and, like, murder, right? Like, you sit through that, like, you can kind of sit through anything to a certain extent, you know? And I feel like that uh, everything that I've done in my life has kind of built me into the person that I am now and has allowed me to, like, be there. Like, you know, at the end of the day, every decision that you and I both made in our lives put us both into this fucking room no, together. No, every like second, right a look, a right. touch, a bump into someone, yeah. an accidental turn down a road. I hear yeah. that. Yeah, you I know? know, so like, I like to just like be like, well, this is my timeline, you know, and let me just enjoy that, you know, that, that uh, ride. And I feel like that if you're self-aware like that, you're going to see forks in the road when people don't. Because a lot of times things will happen to people and they're like, oh, how did that happen? And then my life like fell apart. Well, like, you know, it's about conscious decisions like that whole time, you know, like I could have continued to like sell weed after I got out of there and went through No, I said, you know what? Like I'm going to fucking try growing up and try my hand at something else. You know, and I was in the restaurant business for a long time as a waiter in my twenties and I always loved food. And as a Dego kid, it was just like, all right, well, I always love fucking Sarcone's rolls and yo, know, let's make some fucking like, like, yeah, we got to make a broccoli rob fucking chart probe cutlet because right. like you gotta fucking do that right like so a lot of it kind of just came natural which was you know fun you know i'm gonna hold you off on yeah. one second for for one second we'll be back in a minute all right and we're back okay so we had to go out maybe maybe not smoke yeah. crack another beer maybe maybe not um and we were talking about some serious shit and during the break we started talking about some things that all right let's come back on and and go off on that one of the main things I want someone to get out of this podcast is, is despite what you've been through, which was, which could have been some, something that sent you down a catastrophically disastrous uh, life path, you took it, turned it around into something extremely positive, um, and, and and you're as humble as they come, 
and you have a family and a successful business and the future is endless for 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 what you have set up right now it's so bright um i the main thing like i mentioned to you before is i want you to to give any kind of feedback or motivation to the people who are listening who may be in a tough spot whether it's financially legally they might have gotten in trouble recently or something like that how how would you recommend someone who is in a bad situation to turn their life around and despite circumstances turn their life around and make the best out of it i mean i would just say that perseverance is like the key to anything in life and i think that you know it's funny like with my kid right i'm like oh well i'm not doing any like jesus or like santa claus like bullshit like with my kid because or the fucking easter bunny or any of that stuff not because like i'm joyless just because like i feel like that in my life like childhood was more like shattered like illusions to a certain extent that didn't necessarily prepare me for being an adult and like you know in like almost a buddhist way like life is like struggle like people think happiness is a state of mind like i think dennis leary said it best no cure for cancer like in the early 90s like happiness is coming or like a cookie or like you know it's happiness is like a moment it's not a state and i feel like that americans you know more than most people in the world kind of like are searching for this happiness that I just think isn't, it isn't a mindset, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's time, it's moments and times. Like, and you have to like have the awareness to, you know, be able to enjoy it being when it's uh, when it's good, enjoy it. And when it's bad to just hunker down and like get through it, which is like, you know, I think that being through what I've been through has prepared me for something as, you know, catastrophic as, you know, a quarantine and like a pandemic and stuff, because like, you know, if you've been through enough adversity, you realize that it's just something you have to put your head down and get through. And I think that a lot of people, and I don't blame them for it, you know, are a little weak and they, they don't expect that, you know, it takes hard work. You know what it was like when someone 20 years old, you're 20 years old and someone tells you it takes hard work, you know, to succeed. And it's like, like yeah, I feel right, like, right? Yeah. And I feel like it, this generation below us now, these kids, See, they're Nirvana, now. but they're, they're definitely, uh, you know, growing up in a digital age where like a lot of perception is you know bigger than reality and i feel like that that has like an emotional you know tailspin for like a lot of people to a certain extent where i see social media as like a tool and as a way look in my darkest of days on social media like i never was like putting up allison chains lyrics or you know like <laughs> pictures of me in stuff. bed like i was still trying to like kind of you know cultivate it in an artistic fashion to be like well here's my son here's me signing you know for this new place like you're not putting out there that like you know there's days where you want to jump off of the fucking bridge and like you know i think it's courageous that a lot of people that are like in that emotional mind frame can bear their soul and say like hey you know um this is how i'm feeling but i also feel like that you don't got to let everyone know exactly what's like going on either and a lot of times you just got to put your fucking head down and like get through it like Dude, when I had to close the other pose and I had to sit through, you know, pose nevermore and all these fucking bullshit shitty puns, which, you know, you were one of the only people to, uh, you know, get my back. And then even when I came back then to be like, hey, like, we'll like say something now, like, you know, um, and I knew that I was going to have another opportunity to do pose, but I had to literally fall on the sword and in the darkest part of my life not being able to explain why I'm closing this, you know, successful business and having to literally stomach like a lot of headlines that I couldn't necessarily come out and explain, you know, what was going on because of the situation. You know, at that point, I could have given up and I could have gone and been a waiter or went back to bartending or went back to selling pot or whatever, right? But no, I like, 
took care put of my head shit. down waited for like opportunities and like i ended up meeting like the human robot guys and like you know i don't like to be fatalistic about things but like at a certain extent it's like well you know i've learned more than anyone that the darkest days of your life can be like the doors that are closing behind you they're opening up like you know the light of the future to a certain extent so like i would just say basically like hold on you know and and, and you know keep your head about you and like you know have some kind of self-awareness because I, I know i keep saying that but it literally is like the key to life like so many people don't even know why people don't like them or do like them or you know their how their behavior like affects like those around them and i feel like that if you're like that you can treat everyone as like a human being the way that they should be treated and i think that once you do that you're going to end up in like the karmic territory of you know people that are blessed you know and, and i feel like that uh I finally, after 40 years, have gotten like on even terms with karma, and I feel like that's from, you know, me concentrating on making myself a better person and, and doing, you know, the right thing, I guess, to a certain extent. You know? um, for a lot of people who might be confused about, I don't want to say anything, so you can just give me a look, because no one will know. Yeah. You can't say anything about the Frankfurt shit, because people no. know you as Post Sandwich Joint on Frankfurt Ave. Yeah, well, I have an NDA uh, from the agreement. That I did there, but I guess I could say in a vague way. Or that, can I say anything? You know, I would say that I did, yeah, but yeah, I guess you don't have an NDA. I think I just, you know, I, yeah, I trusted the wrong people, and, you know, it, it's hard because I always look back at Pose is that I wouldn't have thought about doing like that without like the person like giving me that idea to do so. And then like I ended up like running with it in my own way and, you know, turning it in, you know, to what it is. So like, you know, it was kind of like being in an abusive relationship, I guess, because it was like, the best thing and like worst thing you know happened to me like out of that and like that's why i just try to keep some kind of perspective on every experience in my life because like now that i'm around like kenny and these guys like i know that that's where like i'm supposed to be because like i literally feel at home you know what i mean i feel secure I feel adult i feel like the mistakes i've made have like brought me here and like now at the point where like i'm not going to ever make them again and it just comes back to the parallel success when you're working with people like that like you know, where you could say, oh, hey, we did this last night. And like, oh, we did this. And you can like slap hands and be like, yeah, we're banging out, you know, great food and great beer in the same place. I just feel like that, that makes it like, you know, that makes it better. But don't kill yourself, basically. Please don't kill yourself. Yeah, Everything's going to get better. Yeah. Okay. So we could always, there's that cliche is so true that it's always greener on the other side. The well, darkest days are like some brightest dawns or whatever it is. It's darkest before the dawn. It's the darkest before the dawn. Something like that. Yeah, like yeah. they put a gun to my head at that point. Like, you know that scene in Goodfellas where like Camry's trying to pull up the driveway and then like the cop pulls up. He's like, don't you move, you motherfucker puts a gun to his head. Like I had a gun in my head. Like I had a gun to like my girl's head. And I think that like, I always say like, I think that everyone, instead of going to college or before they go to college, they should have to spend like a weekend in jail and like work in like a restaurant for like six months and like kind of like, you know, do all these things that allow you to be empathetic to like the whole like human kind Public of like service struggle. Kind of to, to, yeah. You yeah. know, to be able to like do that kind of stuff. I think that people would be like a lot more equipped to be able to like, you know, realize what other people are going through because, you know, like capitalism and everything that's going on like in america like kind of makes people like care less about each other because you have to protect what you have or try to get what's yours and you know this mind frame you know even with trump has kind of been just you know continually mulled in like middle america where now you have all these people that are like 
so entitled as Americans, you know, that, you know, it's really about them and their freedom and their whatever and, you know, fuck the consequences to a certain extent. And, like, you know, I just completely align in so many ways with, like, the other side of that. And I think that comes from coming from the pot community because we couldn't be separated by race, color, like, creed or anything like that because we're just, like, a bunch of people that, like, loved weed and, like, wanted to fucking legalize right. weed. So, like, there was no way to divide people there. So, like, we built such a coalition of so many different people from, like, so many walks of life that, like, you know, when it comes to thinking about, like, racism or any kind of, like, shit, it's, it's like, nonsense. so out of my right. realm of, like, thought. But then you're like, oh, well, we're living in a country, like, a dude, like, that is the president, and people are thinking this way, and they're trying to do, like, this thing. So, like, you all of a sudden realize that even though you can insulate yourself in, like, your own world, like, and make the majority of the people in your life beautiful people it's still like a cold like fucking like you know fucked up place out there to a certain extent so like you know that um i feel like i've built like a safe haven around myself and isolated myself into being in a position where like you know you're never going to avoid tragedy in life dude and as you get older all it's going to be is continually more loss and more pain and like etc right but like you know if you find yourself in a little groove where everything's like working and it's going well you get better into it, you know, because Ride the wave, cause it, yeah, exactly. It'll come down. Really, yeah. The wave doesn't go forever. So, yeah. That, so yeah. I remember we were throwing the parties, dude. Like we were making like ten grand like a night, like you know, once every like six weeks or something like that. For the first time in my life, I had like some money and like like money where like oh, I went to fucking Italy for like right. four and and Madrid for fucking like seventeen days, dude. You know, and no one in my family like ever like did it like that. And I started to feel like on the cusp of like being like different from where I came from and shit, you know, and then. Um, it kind of got taken away because I wasn't doing it like in a legal fashion, I guess, right? right? But like now I see it like coming around to where I see that like this is another opportunity for me to continue to like carry like who I am and my family and my future into like another place and to do that doing like with something that so many people are like satisfied with because like, there's so many ways to fucking make money, right? Like you could dump chemicals into the fucking Skookum right. and make like, <laughs> right, you know, right. money, right? But like being able to like provide a service that people you know really like and for them to connect with like the brand because pose is kind of like a lifestyle thing too i mean i think that that pot has grown beyond people like having a stigma against it so like if you don't smoke weed you would just be like oh i'm not not going to go to pose because like those dudes are stoners you're gonna be like yo like those stoners sure make like great fucking sandwiches right so also at the same time but also like building that up with like you know people that are from our community that like just connect with like the vibe of like you know Dude, I think I share like a lot of weird shit on like the stories like of our page where like you might even call it like risque for someone that like owns, you know, a business to a certain extent. But like, you know, we are who we are. And I, I actually feel wonderful about how much it's, you know, been accepted because, you know, I know that a lot of people that come here, like they don't they're not weed smokers, you know, they just like, like, oh, hey, that's that dude. And if they see me smoking a bone outside, they're like, hey, dude, your shit's awesome. And like, it's just like, well, great. Like, it feels like the culmination of what I fought for and what I'm doing, like coming together as one because we fought to like normalize marijuana culture, right? And now it's so goddamn normal that I've become benign. But as much as that's almost like, you know, like, oh, hey, that you know, we were rebels on the edge and trying to like do all this stuff. The real goal of that is to make it so goddamn normal that no one gives a shit anymore. Right. And, like, that's now what I've realized that, like, okay, dude, like, well, you were a part of that, right? So, like, 
fucking sit back and enjoy it because right. you know no one gives a shit anymore you can smoke a joint on the front steps of the fucking restaurant you own and no bats an eye that's uh-huh. a that's a yeah. w you yeah. know that's so like that's yeah you know? um ride out the w's so you briefed on it before to wrap this up um what's next for pose uh, is there I, anything in the works right now? Right now, it's just such a beautiful situation from an outsider who has no penny in it. Obviously, yeah. oh, it's awesome. We have this podcast. Kenny's the man. You're the man. Like no. the staff is cool. The food is good. The beer is great. Nothing needs to be done. No. But there's something turning in your mind. It has to be. Well, like I you mean, said before. Well, it's hard because uh, as someone like I used to do a lot of projects where like even if it was just a protest, right? You would like make the poster, plan for it, execute the protest. Maybe like a four to six week process. Then you'd move on to a new project kind of been stifled in a lot of ways just basically like being a fucking food photographer you know and a grill cook over the last couple years so as much as i'd like to expand things i'd like to expand you know with the beer garden we're going to have some 420 parties over there we're going to do a thing called first friday you know i would in the like you know next couple years you know maybe if the right opportunity came along you know open another pose but i feel like the taste that i got here of what human robot and pose would be together as an establishment you know i mean um, you know, the walls were like, you know, closing in on us here because it looks like such a big room. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see it filled with people. Shoulder, shoulder. And it's just fucking not like that anymore. So, you know, I guess we're going to have to see what happens with, you know, people getting back to regular life and et cetera. But I really feel like that, uh, you know, being on the ground floor of this neighborhood across the street, 140 units going up, the neighborhood being filled in around it, you know, I feel like at the end of the day that, um, maybe I finally found the thing that it is that I just do, you know what I mean? And like, you know, maybe it's just like a couple of pose. And at the end of the day, if that allows me to travel with my family and eat everywhere I want and go where I want to go, you know, I think sometimes being an adult is like dropping that, uh, you know, idealistic view of who the fuck you were going to be. You know what I mean? Because everyone thinks they're going to play center field for the fucking Yankees or like whatever. Right. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm happy that, I didn't really give up my youth or my dreams till I was like in like my late thirties and they're not gone. They've just shifted into more, you know, adult things, but like, yeah. yeah, And I, and I've kind of like, but I kind of got to be like a pot, like lunatic running around the country doing crazy things. And I did some time for it and I spent some time on probation for it and became notorious for it in a lot of ways. And you know what? I fucking survived. And I think that, you know, there's really no manual for life, right? So like surviving it for as long as you can and living it as well as you can is pretty much all you can do, right? So that's uh, that's pretty much where I'm, I'm, where I'm fucking trying to be, you know? That's how you wrap up a show. Where all can right, they find you? Where can they find you on social medias? Pose Sandwich Joint on social media um, and also, I guess, uh, posejoint.square.site is where you order our curbside um, delivery, and I mean, curbside pickup as we... Uh, wade through uh, the madness that is COVID-19 hoax 2020. There it is. A post sandwich <laughs> joint inside Human Robot uh, Brewing Company, Kensington, Philadelphia. Episode f- four. Wow, we're moving along. Episode four. You already know. See you guys. <laughs>